Welcome to the podcast for Centerpoint Church. Located in the heart of Concord, New Hampshire, Centerpoint is all about living and sharing a life-changing relationship with Jesus. The message today is a part of that journey, and we are glad to have you join us. Yeah, and I see our band trying to sneak out with the kids. It looks like that's going to be fun. All right. Good to, good to be here with you. My name's Dave. <laughs> so I, see, it seems to be working. Uh, no, I just want to uh, reiterate to you, uh, Dave and Dave are going to hang out in the commons after the service, so that's just one of the ways you can engage, so feel free to ch- chat with them uh, today while you're here if you want to do that. And I, again, want to invite you to that meeting on, on Monday night. Um, if uh, you're in our email list, you've, you've heard about that already. If you're not getting those emails that tell you about the meeting on Monday night, that means we don't have your stuff, and you should let us know that you want that stuff. All right, so let us know what your information is, and we'll make sure to include you in those emails. But even if you're not, maybe you've just been like, this is your first week, but you're like, this is great. This is my church. Like that doesn't matter how long you've been here. If you're saying, I think Centerpoint's my church and and I want to engage, then do that. You can take a snapshot of the QR code that's up on the screen right now. And that will get you to the Zoom meeting uh, Monday night at seven. uh, And you're welcome to join us with that. All right. So no matter who you are, you are welcome to the table. You are encouraged to come to the table. This is how we discern together uh, what, what God is saying, what God is percolating up in our life as a church body, and your voice is an important part of that discernment process. All right, so uh, I hope you will join us tomorrow night, Monday night, seven o'clock on Zoom. All right, and we're doing it on Zoom to make it as easy as possible, so you're not like navigating childcare and all that kind of stuff. I uh, want to make that as easy as possible. So use the QR code. You can go to our website, centerpointnh.org. That QR code will pop up there uh, for the next 24 hours or so, and let you join us on Monday at seven. All right, so I hope you'll do that. Uh, we are going to uh, be jumping into our message here this morning, and we're continuing to talk about what what does belonging look like? We we belong. We belong to God. We are His people. Uh, we belong to each other. So it's not just like me and God. We're navigating down the road, and we just got some people around us. There's actually something that God is doing. There's something that God is shaping uh, as we belong to each other. And so exploring what that looks like uh, from a, a few different vantage points, but always coming from Scripture. What does the What does the Bible tell us about these things? You know, as as uh, as I'm hearing, as as we're processing feedback, a bunch of you talked about um, the the dynamic of what we'd call expository preaching is an important aspect to that, and and that's why as we meet for our messages and we talk about this, we start with the Bible and we say, what does the Bible say about this? And then we figure out what that looks like in our lives. And so, uh, so that's, that's why we do what we're doing here because God is speaking to us. God is showing us things. And we pay attention to what he is show, sharing, uh, uh, sharing for us in his word, what he's showing about himself and who we are and what it looks like to live life with him. Uh, uh, but, but let's also, even as we look at those things, let's pay attention to what bubbles up inside of us. There may be things that we read in Scripture, we study in Scripture that make us really happy. Like, oh, oh, that feels great. Pay attention to that. There may be things that we learn in Scripture that make us feel angry. Like, ah, things that we disagree with. Mm, right? It can elicit all of these responses. We pay attention to those things. Because sometimes what we'll do is we'll let you know, Scripture speak, and then we're like, no, 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 I don't want that, or I don't like that. And so we dismiss it, but let's just pay attention to the stuff inside of us, even as we study Scripture together, right? And so we do that together. I know you do that on your own, but we do this together 
as church family too on Sunday morning. So just setting the stage for us uh, as we move into God's word together. Uh, this morning as we read, uh, we're going to begin in John chapter 15. Uh, John is... Uh, uh, one of the Gospels. It's a, uh, an account of the life of Jesus and the good news of Jesus. And uh, we find in John chapter 15, this is a section of John where Jesus is doing a lot of teaching. He's, he's putting a bow on everything he's been doing, everything he's been teaching. And he's getting really clear about what's going to happen and what the implications are for the life of his disciples. All right. So when we look at John chapter 15, we're going to begin reading at verse 9. It's uh, following up from a section that a lot of us can be familiar with. And if you're not, it really is a beautiful section. It talks about abiding in Christ. Like life in Christ is about abiding with him. And there's this beautiful way that he talks about that using the illustration of vines and branches and how our life comes from abiding in him. And then we get into this section in verse 9, and I want to begin reading in verse 9, and we're going to look through uh, the end of the section in verse 17, and then we're going to take a look at what uh, Jesus is teaching us here about what it means to belong, all right? So verse 9 says this, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments... You will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything I have learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. He summarizes it again here in verse 17. This is my command. Love each other. What we see in this is that loving one another, right, this is what we're called to, to love one another as followers of Jesus, to love one another in obedience to Jesus, it grows our faith it draws us into fullness with God. It cultivates joy and it yields lasting fruit. Let's just pause and pray for a moment. Father, we need you. And so as we look at your word today, stir in us through your spirit. Do a work in us. You by your spirit have inspired these words that John records for us. And that same spirit that inspired him is with us right now, living in us. So show us, show us the way. Would you, Father, by the power of your spirit, open our eyes. A lot of times we get distracted and it almost blinds us. We don't see you, we don't notice you like we want to. And so would you open our eyes to see what you want us to see? Would you open our ears that we would hear 
that we would hear what you want us to hear. And would you soften our hearts that we would receive for us, that we would be good soil as, as individuals and as a people, that we would be good soil, receptive to your word and your good news today. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, that first section that John writes for us uh, about abiding in the vine, it, it's, it's, it's really a beautiful picture, but it can sometimes feel confusing, can't it? Like, what does that really mean to abide in him, for him to abide in us? Like he's saying, this is the crux of what life with him looks like. This is how we flourish in life with him. And let's face it, like you're here because at some level you want flourishing life with God. Like we're at different places on the spiritual journey. Some of you are still kicking the tires, which is great. I love that you're here as you're exploring those things. Even those of us who have made the decision to follow Jesus, we're exploring what that looks like in our life and we're at different places on our journey and in our maturity. But all of us are here, like you're here on purpose. And part of why you're here is there's something in you that's like, I want something real. I want something flourishing. I want something vibrant in my walk with God. And so we hear about this abiding in and like there's something there, but what does that look like? It can feel confusing for us. It can feel like it doesn't have handles for us. And so I love how Jesus gives us these handles. And that's what this section is that we're, we're looking at today, beginning in verse nine. He's given us these handles. And one of the first things he's doing, we see this right at the top here in the first couple of verses that we read, is that he's drawing on his relationship with the Father. And so let's just pause and notice that for a moment. He's, he's drawing us into what it's like for Jesus as the son to relate with the father you know they they're they're one right so we talk about trinity it's it's one God and yet there's some some different personhood in this and so they relate with each other in perfect unity and Jesus is pulling back the curtain a little bit on that and what he talks about here in these sections is is he even used the language of um, as I remain in the father as I remain in the Father. That's an interesting thought, isn't it, when we think about Jesus. He remains with, remains in the Father. He's draw, drawing our attention to the unity that they have. The Father in him and him in the Father, this oneness, this unity. And how does he do that? He even used the language here of, as the Son, he, he obeys the Father. At other points in the Gospels, he says, I only do what the Father says to do. I only say what the Father says to say. He's not an automaton. He's not a robot. But in this love relationship they have there, it's cultivated. He remains in the Father through obedience to the Father. We even see this as Jesus' life comes to a close. We're going to see this in a little bit here. Um, you know, if you read ahead in the Gospel stories, he's about to come to the, the moment of his crucifixion. He's in the garden, and he's praying intensely. Some of you know this story. He's praying intensely and he says, uh, take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. All right? So the son lives in the father's love through obedience to the father. And in that, there's this joy that they share with each other. Right? And so Jesus is laying, this is the foundation. Like, like he says, you've been with me for three years. You've seen me. I've taught you. I've know, I, I know you, you've seen these things, but let me be clear about this. The father and I are in this kind of a relationship the Father has loved me, I have loved him, I have loved him in obedience, it draws me into his love, and I remain in his love. The Father doesn't love Jesus because he's obedient. You go back to Jesus' baptism. He comes up out of the water, 
The clouds open up and they hear the voice that says, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. So the father has expressed his love for the son, for all to hear, before the son did anything in his public ministry. So the father doesn't love the son because of his obedience, but out of that love relationship and cultivating strength in that love relationship, the son responds in obedience to the father, even to the point of death. All right, so Jesus is drawing us into that, and he's doing it very, in a very, for a very important reason, because he's actually drawing his followers, his disciples, into that same thing. And so he transitions in those first couple of verses, talking about the, 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 his relationship with the Father, to our relationship with him. Because remember, at the beginning, it was like, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Abide in me, and I will abide in you. And so he's drawing us into this thing of what does this look like? And so we see in, in verse 10, in verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. See how he's drawing that together here? So what he's saying here with absolute clarity, remaining in Jesus' love, how do I do that? What do I do? How do I abide in Jesus? You obey him. You obey him. Remaining in Jesus' love looks like obedience to Jesus. This isn't the first time that he's said things like this. We see this in John 14. He makes the connection, 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands. This is Jesus' teaching. He affirms that again in, John, in 1 John. So it's, it's the same writer writing in a different place in the New Testament. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 3, he's drawing that same thing. How do we know that we love him? By obeying him. Remaining in Jesus' love equals obedience. I said this a moment ago, and I want to reiterate here because Jesus is drawing us into his reality. He doesn't love us because we obey. He loves us, and he gave himself up for us. How do we abide in his love? How do we remain in, how do we center ourselves in his love? obedience remember how i said we need to pay attention to even what stirs inside of us as we engage scripture together pay attention to some of that stuff abiding in his love is obedience and so then that begs the question doesn't it well what is obedience what, what are we obeying what what commands of jesus are we obeying well jesus is very good to us he tells us right here what this looks like. Look at verses 12 and 13. Right, so you ask the question, what's his command? I'm glad you asked. Verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Like the command of Jesus, love each other as I have loved you. He describes that, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, 
to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus goes on to describe them as his friends. It's like, I call you friends, not servants. Servants don't know their master's business, but you know my business. Because everything that the Father has made known to me, I have made known to you. It's like Jesus saying, you know my business, you're my friends. And of course, he's about to lay down his life. And so he says, love one another as I have loved you. And this love of one another is going to do something. It's drawing us into this loving communion with Jesus and the Father. Uh, Verse 11 reiterates what happens here. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Is there anybody here that could use a little bit more joy? I know some of you are just bursting with it. And the people around you are telling to just chill out a little bit. But mo- like a lot of it, I could use more joy in my life. What Jesus is teaching us here is that remaining in his love through obedience to him, and obedience to him is love one another, it's actually what draws us into his joy. Not a, not a, a fleeting joy or happiness that's based on our circumstances, but it's based on our proximity. It's based on our loving communion with him. Loving communion fosters, cultivates, is the source of uh, bedrock joy in our life that isn't tied to the circumstances around us. And loving communion, he reminds us in verse 6, loving communion not only cultivates this joy in us, not only draws us into the Father's love relationship with the Son as we abide with him, but loving communion expressed through obedience... What's obedience? Loving one another in joy yields fruit. Fruit that will last. Now, John, recording Jesus' words here, is a little bit ambiguous for us, even in what we mean by fruit. Now, there are other places that we hear about fruitfulness uh, in Scripture, and so our minds might be drawn to fruit of the Spirit. I don't know that John was drawing from that same thing here, and a lot of scholars are saying, nah, it probably isn't exactly what he meant here. But he's not specific in this fruit. And so that's part of what Jesus will do is he teaches us. He draws us into a metaphor, and he even lets us wrestle with it a little bit. And so as we look at Jesus' Jesus's, uh, mission here is to proclaim and to demonstrate the kingdom of God is at hand, fruitfulness is tied into that. And so we become participants in God's mission to extend his kingdom among all nations. That's fruitfulness. And so some, that fruitfulness certainly is about our character and what's shaped in us. That fruitfulness is about how we understand ourselves in light of the world. We take our identity cues from him and not from uh, ourselves or our social groups or our social media or what other people tell us. Um, and, and our mission, our sense of purpose is tied into who he is and what he is already doing. This is all wrapped up in the language of fruitfulness. All right. And so let's, let's reiterate again, as we've looked at scripture here, what we keep coming back to is that loving one another in obedience to Jesus draws us into the love relationship between father and son. It's abiding with him and it grows our faith. Like you want to be spiritually strong and mature, then love one another as Christ has loved you. 
As you have received this love, let this love pour out of you into the lives of others. And this loving obedience to Jesus, loving one another, it grows our faith, it cultivates joy, and it yields lasting fruit. And so let's explore this a little bit together. Now we might summarize some of the th these things to continue to put handles on them for us as, as we go and try to live this out. One of the things that we see here is loving one another is obedience that draws us into loving communion with the Father and the Son. Like they've got loving union together and Jesus shows us a picture of what that looks like. And he says, come on in. It's like they're sitting in a great hot tub and this is beautiful. It's a cold winter day. The hot tub is nice and steamy and they're saying, come on in. We want you to enjoy this. We want you to be a part of this. Jump on in. Be a part of this loving union with God. And again, isn't that what our hearts long for? Like very few of us are sitting here saying, I really just kind of want a religion on the side. Like I like my life, but I just want a little dollop of Jesus to kind of finish things off. We're here because our souls are hungry for something real. And the most real thing in all of the universe is God expressing himself as love. And if you are hungry for that, then Jesus is saying the way to taste this, to be a part of this, to be drawn into this, is loving one another. Loving one another is also, uh, excuse me, loving one another uh, as obedience cultivates joy. Loving one another in obedience to Jesus cultivates joy. Joy. I had a great uh, kind of description of joy and understanding what joy is. Sometimes we think about joy and happiness as the same thing. So happiness, um, sometimes a, a Bible word that we use is shalom. It's the sense of peace, this inner sense of peace. As I walked down the road, I've got this inner sense of peace. Joy is a highly relational concept. So joy is what happens when you meet somebody and you're happy to be with them. She's like, oh, hey, it's you. I haven't seen you in forever. It's so good to see you, right? You know what that, that leap in your heart feels like? You're like, oh, it's you. I'm so good to see you. You might not say those words, but you know what that leap in your heart feels like. When, when a couple is beginning to date each other and you've been away maybe for a few days and, and then you see them again, you're like, oh, it's you. Now, of course, the part of it is I'm trained in the days when we didn't have smartphones. So now if you're dating somebody, you're probably like on FaceTime 18 hours a day. I get that. But you still like being in person and proximity is like, oh, I just love being with you, right? And you know what that feels like. Or a dear friend or even husbands and wives as their relationship matures, they find comfort together. Like, I just love being with you right? Um, back when, uh, you know, a de couple decades ago, a guy named Gary Small, he taught about relationships with, he even used the language of jumping up and down for you. Like, I realize we're all very sophisticated. We don't do a whole lot of jumping up and down. But you, like, you see somebody and you jump up and down for them, right? Oh, 
It's you. And so uh, in the small group we were a part of, uh, Heidi and I, we would kind of use that language. And even just the other day, it was a friend of ours' birthday. And so I, I texted her, happy birthday, I'm jumping up and down for you. And I knew just reading those words would make her, her face beam with a smile. Like, it's that constant, like this is what joy looks like. I'm jumping up and down to be with you. Frankly, our world is absent so much joy. And so here we are, God is drawing us into his love. And as we respond, in obedience to Jesus and we love one another, it cultivates joy. Sometimes we allow our lack of joy, our look at you and go, right? Kind of close us down and back us up. But love does this opposite thing and it cultivates joy in us, right? We let love govern our joy versus letting joy govern our expressions of love. And so Jesus is drawing us into this. And another thing that, uh, that we see in this is that loving one another in obedience... Uh, it leads to fruit that will last. Again, there's this uh, fruit, if you will, of identity. Like, who am I? How do I relate to the world? We've got so much confusion about identity, and we talk about gender identity, and we talk about um, different confusions of identity in our world. And Scripture draws us in to find our identity in who he says we are. And part of walking in obedience to him is is anchoring our identity, our sense of self. We don't have to be confused. We don't have to be rocking around all over the world. We don't have to be grasping at clouds trying to figure out who we are. He shows us who we are, and as we walk with him in loving union, it anchors our identity in him, all right? And it, it shapes our character, that our character would be shaped in the image of Jesus. We don't shape our character just in what we like. We shape our, our character in the image of Jesus. We become more like him. And our purpose is no longer of our own making. Our sense of purpose, our sense of why am I here and what are we doing here? As I work, as I walk through our neighborhood, as I play with my friends, as I go to school, my purpose and why I'm here is anchored in the mission and the purpose of God, right? This is a part of this fruitfulness. And so he talks about this fruit that will last because all this other fruit that we grasp for just won't last. When we try to anchor our identity in the fog and the clouds, it doesn't last, it changes, right? You wake up and um, one day you're a hipster and you got the glasses and the flannel. Oh, never mind. And, but, so you gotta, got this style and then three weeks later you got this whole different style, right? Because I just want to find my identity. Uh, it doesn't last when we grasp at clouds and fog. Our character, like our character is always being shaped. And, and so the character that lasts, that, that, that shapes a soul in the way of Jesus is a, is a character that is anchored to him, that takes on servanthood and humility and uh, faithfulness. Uh, as we see in the life of Jesus. And so it does something in us that is not wispy or, or, or passing. It's got girth to it. It's got heft to it in our character, and we can trust that. And then in our purpose, like we're after something that lasts, and we're joining God on his mission to draw lost people to himself, to rescue the lost, to heal the broken, to care for those in need. This is what he is doing in this world because God is always present in work, and we join him in that and are we anchor our sense of purpose in those things but that whole notion of obedience is something that we can really wrestle with isn't it and let me say it again he he doesn't love us because we're obedient his love draws us into obedience when you ask yourself what is do i love god 
Like Jesus has said, in affirming even what God had revealed in the Old Testament, like the law and the prophets is summarized. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's the first. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said the whole thing is summed up in love. Love for God and love for the people around us. Can't get past it. So you ask yourself, obedience. What does it look like to obey Jesus? It looks like love. You know, I know that this is an important thing in our church. Dave number two talked a little bit about this, but I want you to, to hear it again as we begin to look through uh, your responses. These are, are your responses through the health, church health survey that was taken uh, back in November before Thanksgiving. The top five things that, that you said have got to be priorities in the life of our church. Discipleship, our spiritual growth. How do we grow as disciples of Jesus? Anybody got a hint? We love one another as he has loved us. Like that's what discipleship looks like because sometimes I don't want to. Right? And so then I got to deal with the stuff that's inside of me. As I deal with the stuff that's inside of me, my character is shaped into the image of Christ. That's discipleship. And we do that with each other. We do that for each other. Right? So you've said discipleship is top priority. You said healthy relationships, growing in our sense of closeness, belonging with each other. Unity is another one. That we're on the same page and we've reduced conflict. There's always going to be conflict, but we've reduced it and we learn how to manage it and we learn how to grow through it because conflict is discipleship. Back to point number one. Connection, finding our way into relationships. How do we extend that to the people around us? And authenticity, being real with each other, not feeling like I have to show up and hide behind a mask, but we can show up and be real with each other both in our sorrows and in our celebrations. You've said this is what you're hungry for. And honestly, this is what Jesus says he's hungry for us for. These things come together and show us the way and what this looks like to love one another in obedience. Take a little bit to stop and reflect on what God might be saying to you and how you'll respond to him today. Wherever you are on your journey of faith, we are here to serve you. Find us at centerpointnh.org and join us on the journey of living and sharing a life-changing relationship with Jesus.